blessed by this devotion. I know with traveling ministers coming in and me being away for a number of, you know, Sundays, um, you know, we, we haven't necessarily, especially in the last quarter, um, you know, thoroughly uh, kept up with this, but I believe you're reading it. Amen. But this week is, you know, week 49, and it's all about love defined. And every Sunday um, before the end of this year, well, the, the remaining Sundays, we're going to be talking about love. And uh, this is going to be quite pastoral and actually quite liberating for people. I just feel the, the healing even now. It's the compassion. The Lord hits you. Some people are going to set other people free. Um, and they're going to release a forgiveness for people. And I'm going to major on that. This is critical. This is so critical. Forgiving. Hey, Pastor, what should be front and center of every believer? Giving and forgiving. What should be front of front of center of every believer? Let me say it again. Giving and forgiving. Two things. Amen. Yeah, but that's not how the world works. Well, um, let me say this. You're not off this world. I said, you're not off this world. You, you are a foreigner. You're a stranger in a foreign land. Now, that speaks to me because, uh, you know, I, I'm a foreigner to this land. I don't consider myself as British. British. Even though sometimes I sound like a Brit. But my family's Hungarian and, and uh, they were refugees, you know. And so for my political state, status, for a big chunk of my life, um, even when I met my wife, she fell in love with a refugee. I was a refugee. And so I would take her home to see my family. And she's a Canadian. She's going through border control. She's getting to the other side. You know how it is, you know. She makes it through. And uh, she's waiting for for her, her, her fiance you know, her, her, her boyfriend to, to make it through and I'm struggling to get through into my own country I'm getting quizzed and questioned and she's like what, what, what's the deal I said, well, I'm a refugee it's alright it's alright what? you're a refugee? so I'll tell the story again but we are really foreigners whether you were born here or not you are a foreigner in this land and you're just a stranger in a foreign land passing through. The Bible says we are citizens of a kingdom. Amen. So there is another kingdom or there is another realm that you've got to be aware of. You know, there is the natural realm. We see it. You know, we, we smell it. Um, you know, there's, the, there's things that you can touch. You can hear. You can see. It's in this natural realm. But there is another realm. And there is a parent realm of this physical realm, and it's called the spirit realm. Amen. The spirit realm is the parent realm of the physical realm. And so it's the parent that gives birth to the children, right? And so what gave birth to everything that we see in the natural is the spirit. Amen. It came from words, spiritual words. Amen. I know you know this. Amen. But I just want to encourage you. You're not subject to this world. And so we are part of the upside down kingdom. And so how we operate and how we love people and how we operate in life and even dealing with finances is very different to how other people operate. You know, it, it hit me. There is, there is uh, people who are not born again on the earth today. 
and the last month in November, they 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 will earn you know um, 150,000 pounds and didn't even leave the house, but they earned that by simply putting their money, 30 million, into a bank account or a an investment um, account that yields a conservative 6% and they gained just in one month 150,000 pounds by not doing anything. And I asked myself, how can somebody get to that level of financial um, freedom who is under the curse when you've got believers who are under the blessing who are struggling to pay for rent? And so it's a good challenge for us. Because people are destroyed by, by a lack of knowledge and understanding how to operate in the laws of the kingdom that now govern their life. It's called the kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven. And so there, there is a different way we operate. Amen. And so the, the principles, as simple as it may be, that will come through today in this message are going to be pastoral. But you build your, let it become the bedrock of how you talk to people how you love people, how you operate in life, because I'm telling you, this other world system, the spirits that run around, called the spirit of the Antichrist spirit, which already are present on the earth today, I'm not saying the Antichrist is, he may be, chances are, he is on the earth right now, but not revealed, but the spirit of Antichrists are already on the earth, anti-anointing, anti-Christ, Jesus Christ, the anointed one, anti-anointing. Those spirits are on the earth, but the world and those spirits have no capacity to sink somebody who has been, whose life has been built on the word. It has an inability to sink you. Think about that for a moment. No matter what the world throws in your direction, the spirits that come against you have an inability they don't have a capacity to sink you if you build your life on the word like no relationship could no person can wreck your business your ministry your life it has no capacity to sink you if you build your life and operate in the principles I'm going to talk, talk to you about I'm just plucking one and probably the most important uh, principle of love. Ooh, my, my, my sin. Who, who senses the Lord's here? Amen. Whether you feel the Lord's here or not, it matters not. It matters not. He is here. And people just, you know, you, 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 when you acknowledge His presence, wow, He, he, show, he shows up. Amen. I tell you what, even when I was on the mission field, I, I was preaching in um, a new city, Hyderabad. And uh, not Hyderabad, Pakistan, you know, uh, on the eastern, you know, border of, of Pakistan, close to the Indian northwest border, but south central. And, you know, you know, in India, they have like scorpions and stuff. And they have like, um, uh, that wasn't a scorpion. That was a, that was a cobra, <laughs> you know. They have cobras, you know. Uh, and they have scorpions. And this one guy on, in, in the ministry base that I ministered, he was, he was cutting... Uh, some bamboo and a scorpion must have been on a higher level landed on the guy's neck and stung him 
And so, of course, you know, you're, you're a Bible school student, you know, and, and you've got, you know, people who believe in the word. And it, is it Luke 10, 19 that says, you know, uh, nothing by any means shall, shall hurt you or harm you. And so, you know, that's the truth. Now, here's the deal. The, the hospital is, you know, over an hour away. And so he runs in and uh, the minister, the host that, you know, who invited me to come, he laid hands on the guy. So, well, in the name of Jesus, we just neutralize all the poison. Now, at this point, it's like excruciating pain. You know, it's already, you can see the effects. And he, and he's, he lays hands on him. And, and he goes, it's done. It's done. Uh, whoa, praise God, it's done. But he was in, ag- he was in agony. It's done. And he said, what's done? You know, it, the pain's just gone. And he was like, right, let's, let's carry on. Now, people say, well, we've got to rush him to the hospital. Maybe, maybe there's nothing wrong with doing that, you know, just for a checkup and let's double check. But he was like, no, no, no it's fine, it's cool. It's done. Literally, it's done. It's done. Nothing by any means. I said, nothing by any means shall hurt or harm us. I'm going to know the word works. All right. I'm going to start in Romans. Romans 12, 9. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the grace. Thank you for the anointing as we prayed earlier to serve in the capacity that we're called to. Father, thank you for the anointing. Where would we be without the anointing? Thank you for the help that's upon us and the ability we have. Thank you, Lord, on our ability. We love you, Lord. Thank you for this service. Thank you for this God-ordained morning. This God-ordained morning to help us, Lord, to navigate through life and manage relationships and Love people like we're called to and be a light like you've called us to be. Father, thank you for the honor to serve your kingdom, to be ambassadors, to be representatives of your kingdom. What an honor it is to serve you. Father, I I thank you personally for the great honor to lead um, this congregation as the under-shepherd of this church. You will always be the chief shepherd. You are the good shepherd of this flock the good shepherd. You are the great door, the open door. You are the one who leads us and guides us and, 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 and brings us to even greener pastures. Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus, our great shepherd. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. Thank you, Lord, for this great community of believers. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for freedom for the person who's dealing with hurts of the past. Thank you for freedom of families that have been destroyed by certain things that have gone on. But Lord, thank you that there's healing. Thank you that there's a re- Reassembling. Thank you, Lord. Members that have been dismembered. Father, thank you that your love brings, your love finds, your, your, your love brings the solitude right into the families. Thank you, Father. Thank you that forgiveness will flow and it'll be an easy thing because it's your love flowing to us and through us. Thank you for the grace to do it, for the grace to do and be who you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, use this message and use these scriptures I'm about to read to help us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. In Romans 12, it says here in verse 9 from the New Living Translation, it says, don't just pretend to have love, to love others. Don't just pretend to love others. Really, really love them. Now, the proof of the pudding of your genuine love for other people is really you're, you're giving and forgiving what that actually looks like so we can tell we can tell if you are a pretender or a contender for the real we can see it you can't fool us you certainly can't fool God love is so real and so tangible it has an expression 
You know, the Bible says, show mercy. Mercy is the, it's the part of love that, it, that, that, that displays love. You know what I mean? Mercy displays love. Show, show mercy. You, gotta, you can show it. You can display it. You can show whether you love people by your peace levels. Do you get irritated at people? If, if so, your love level is flawed. And uh, we have to challenge ourselves with, with these things. Amen. Glory. You're right if I just preach like pastor today. Don't just pretend to love. He said, don't, don't just pretend to have love, to love others. Re- really do love them. Carry them in, in your heart. Hate what is wrong. What a word. Hate what is wrong. It's okay to hate. Not people, but hate what is wrong. He said, hold tightly to what is good. I think modern day Christianity, there's a, we've done that well. We, we, we love what is good, but have we mastered the art of hating what is evil? Hating what is bad. You know, let the Holy Ghost just stir a hatred in your heart for the things of the devil. The things that rob you of God's best. Le- learn to hate sin. Learn, learn to hate sickness. When you watch A.A. Allen, you can go on YouTube and type in A.A. Allen or you see some of these healing revivalists, and, you know, William Bramham. You'll see a minister who hated cancer. You'll see a minister who hated seeing children crippled. What do you hate? How many know sickness is vile? Do you hate it? Seeing families ripped apart is demonic it's evil it's not good how 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 deep is that hatred towards those things you gotta hate it poverty hate it hate it love people hate what the enemy's doing he said don't just pretend to love others really do love them and hate what's hurting them Hate what's killing people. Hate it. Be passionate about it. But hold tightly to what is, to what is good. You know, in, in John 13, 35, you know, there was a question, how, how are people going to know that we are his disciples? I'll tell you how. Now, it's because of our love for him. God, how many of God is so easy to love because he's so he's perfect and majestic and he's you know but but the proof is whether you really know God you the proof is how 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 well do you love people who are not who who, who are not um, really kind to you because God's always kind he's always merciful he's always forgiving he's always the same he's he, he's like he loves you when you're very unlovely He's really easy to love. I love God. Wow, I'm really impressed. Not really, because He's really easy to love. But how do you love people? And how are the world going to know? How can we prove to the world that we are the disciples? In other words, that we're we're following the Master. That we're following God, the real one. That that our faith is the faith to follow. How are people going to know? It's very simple. How we love people. How we love one another. You know, in the season of giving and stuff like, man, we've we got a good opportunity to love one another. Amen. And so, you know, we, we cry out people are looking for revival, wanting revival, wanting the fruit of revival. But they, 
but they, but they never see it. Because I think there's, there's a lot of attention on the fruit of revival opposed to the, fr- the, 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 the fruits of revival in, opposed to the roots of what actually causes revival. So there's little to no attention made on what causes revival, the root. But, the, but let's go after revival. Revi- but, well, what's going to cause revival? What's going to cause us to be proof producers to the world who are desperately looking and seeking for the revealing of uh, the, the ones who've been washed and, and covered and brought into the family, the sons and the daughters of God? What's going what, to prove that we are the true sons and daughters of God? Love, love, then you can have a revival. What's the root? Love, what's the fruit? Revival. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How bad do we hate seeing people go to hell? How bad do we see people, you know, um, curled up in the side road on a curb? with little to to nothing on them and that's all they have how much does that bother us the first anointing that jesus claimed he had was an anointing to minister to poor people for god is for luke 4 what is it luke 4 18 the spirit of god is upon me for he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor the purpose of the anointing on my life is to help poor people thank you father hallelujah Paul prayed for those in Ephesus notice the focus on some of his prayers in in Ephesians chapter 3 he talked about you know that we will be rooted and grounded in knowing how to work miracles love that we would comprehend not just a couple but all the saints would comprehend the depth and the length and the height and Come on. The majesty of his love. Do you know, you know, you know what the enemy knows? He, he knows that the only way he can stop you as a believer is through fear. Inflicting fear. Right? And what does that do? It tries to cause you to back off from what God has called you to do. What's the answer of coming, casting out fear? Perfect love. Someone say perfect love. Hey, listen, the fireplace is on. We're just around in the living room and we're having a chat this morning. Amen. Love. So say love. Love casts out fear. So say love. Casts out fear. Love deals with the spirit of fear that tries to cause me to draw back from the plan of God. Love come against, it come, comes against the very thing that's trying to be a barrier between me and my destiny. Love breaks through it because love can be perfected in the hearts by the Holy Ghost and it will cause us to break through every fear barrier and possess everything you've been called to do the very thing that is separating you and your destiny is 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 fear trying to separate you but it's love that breaks that barrier hallelujah when love walks in tell me what walks out 
Yeah. Fear. It's cast out. It's cast out. It's important. In Ephesians chapter 4, 15, it talks about speaking the truth in love. Amen. Speaking the truth in love. Man, I've just got to tell them the truth. Listen, listen, listen. You tell them the truth, but tell them in love. And time it right. So say, I've got to time it right. Amen. And not everything that is true needs to be said. You understand what I mean? Hey, man, let me just tell you the truth. Looks like you've, put, you've gained like, how, how, how much kilos have you gained? I mean, they're right on your hips. Look at you. What's wrong? I mean, I'm t- he's telling the truth. I'm telling the truth. And I'm being accurate. There's five, five kilos on his hips. Not everything that is true needs to be said, but everything that is to be said, that is true, needs to be said in love. And then this is, he, he goes on to say, and this is how the body is going to grow up. Growing in every way. Does that sound good to us? Family? Does that sound good to us? Growing in every way, more and more like Christ, who is the head of this church, head of the body, the church of Jesus Christ. Wonderful. Wonderful. First, first Corinthians chapter 3, um, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start moving into really the emphasis I want to really touch on concerning this whole subject of love. First Corinthians chapter 3. Man, I love it when babies agree with the message. It's like, that's right. Exactly right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly right. Amen. It says, for you are still carnal. What? Notice what carnality looks like. Envy. For where there is envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Going back to what I said before. There is mere men and then there's men and women of God. There's mere men and then there's us. Right? And we're different. Is there envy? Is the jealousy? Is the, is the strife? Is the divisions among us? Now Paul's talking to a whole bunch of born again, spirit filled Christians. The guys who love to talk in tongues. You know, guys who love the demonstrations of the Spirit, you know, he's talking to those in Corinth who, you know, they were, they were spiritual people, you know. And they loved all things pertaining to the Spirit of God and the manifestation of the Spirit of God. But he said, man, I'm telling you, there's envy here, there's strife here, there's divisions among you. And it's not good. You're, you're acting like a baby. How are we going to grow up? Speak the truth in love. So say, speak the truth in love. Hallelujah. It's immaturity to let little things to set you off. They didn't shake my hand. So what? They changed the font on the screens. They changed the font. Can you, can you imagine they changed the font? I mean, look at the font. Why does pastor preach from the NLT? No one preaches from the NLT. It's the... It's the New King James. I'll, I'll have, have you know. Little things. You understand what I'm saying? Little things get to people. And it's fussy. And it's silly. And it is not to be among us. It was among them. And it ought not to be among us. This whole week, love defined. What is it? 
You know, you know, the most searched thing on Google is what is love? And if you put in what is love on Google, all kinds of stuff that is not love comes up because people do not know what really love is. Talking about love defined, people have no idea what love is. They have no idea. It's not a bed of roses. It, it's, AI will never have an idea of what, what, what love is. But, but, but lo, lo, love is not a feeling. Amen. You don't understand what love is by watching some of these crude movies, you know, whatever it is, Fifty Shades of whatever. I don't, but but if, you do a, if you do a what is love, all kinds of stuff come, come, comes out. Oh, let me tell you. After church, I'm going to go to like... Uh, fina- um, uh, and, uh, what's the place? It's the Argentinian restaurant that you know the one where, where they give you limitless like Fenenza. Uh, no, Fazenda. 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 You know, Fazenda. Fazenda. The reason why I'm like struggling to like get focused right now is because everyone's talking in the room at the same time. So anyway, there's this place, a restaurant. I think it's Italian. Uh, not Italian. It's what is it? It's Brazilian or Argentinian. It's Argentinian. Tinian. And so anyway, so they. Um, why am I even talking about this? I don't have no idea why. Why did I start talking about this? I have no idea why I started talking about that now. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you, yes, thank you. So yeah, so yeah, so after church, you know, people said, let's go to um, Fazenda, and uh, let's get, you know, as much steak as we can, you know, the T-bone steak, and let's get the tomahawk steak, and the, uh, let's just get it all, let's just get everything. I mean, it's, it's bottomless, and, you know, you, you can have as much as you want, because I love Fazenda. What, you love Fazenda? Yeah, like I love ice cream. Like I love playing football. Like I love humiliating mine on the football field, you know. I love all this stuff. So people use the word very loosely, love. I love, I love, I love, I love. And suddenly when we go, oh, I love God too. So you put, you know, but that, 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 that is, you know... It's a, di- a different type of love, right? And so people have lost the definition of what actually is true love. And the world is so confused by this. And they're looking for love in all the wrong places. And the place they have to, and the only place they, they really, by God's design, they are to find it is in the church house. And not just in a room like this on a Sunday morning. It's in the church house, your house, your physical body, because you are the house of God. You understand what I'm saying? So what will they find? Fussing, complaining, divisions, murmuring. What, what will they find? Or will they find genuine love? What? This is, this is out of this world. Like John the disciple, he said, what manner of love is this? What kind of love is this? That the Father has bestowed upon us. What? What? That we should become 
sons of God, children. He was like, what in the world? There is, what kind of love is this? This is not ordinary. This isn't ordinary. Whew. Thank you, Lord. In 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 3, Paul told Timothy, he said, um, he said, you know, um, we're in a battle, man, and there is some endurance needed, and you must endure hardship like a good soldier. A good soldier. Yeah. So, uh, the immature can't handle a lot, but soldiers, they can deal with a lot. Real warriors? Where are the real warriors at? Come on, where's the real warriors? Soldiers. They can be wounded. They can be shot at. They can have a, a limb missing. But they pick themselves up. Because, because if they fall down and collapse, that's, that's the end of them. So what do they do? They get up. They pick up the flag. They press on. And they occupy that high hill. That's what they do. This is love. We're, talk, we're talking about love. This is, this is, this is a sign of maturity. Hallelujah. And this is what God needs. God must have men and women on the earth today, warriors. You don't sit around and think about what they've done, how they messed, messed, messed with my office. They rearranged stuff in my room. Are you kidding me? Are you, seriously? Hmm. Thank you, Lord. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. You're right. It's five minutes past 11. Let me put another log on the fireplace because, you know, we're just having a, we're having just, uh, we're having a chat right now. Do you like the fireplace? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? We're just having a chat in the living room this morning. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Man, I'm telling you, we're going to grow up and get, get, get the flesh out of us. Amen. I'm telling you, we're not going to have it. We're not having it in, in, in this church. We're not having it in our families. We're not having strife. We're not having all that. And I'm not saying this because I, I feel like there's strife in the house or anything. I'm saying it because, I mean, this is what the Lord's put on our heart at the end of this year. And it's all about it here. Weeks 49, love defined. Hallelujah. Matthew 6.6. 6. It says... But you, when you pray, go into, the, go into the secret room, go into your room. And when you've shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. He's in the secret. Where's the father? Where's the father at? Where's God at? In the secret place. That's where he's at. And your father who sees in secret will reward. Underline that word, reward. It's, it's a big word. Reward you openly. And so what God does, he looks to see your secret life, to see what he can do in your public life. So this is what he does. Now you, you want promotion, you want excelling in your career and stuff like that. God examines, he looks at your secret life to, to see what he can do in your public one. Right? And then verse 7 says, let's read it. Verse 7, and when you pray, um, so he does expect us to have fellowship with him. He says, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for the many words. So in other words, it's, it's not the length of prayer that matters. It's not about, you know, and I'm going to get on to verse 14 in a minute, where I'm really wanting to hang out on. And then he goes and talks about, you know, the Lord's prayer and stuff. But it's not about the length of the prayer. 
it, that there's certain things that we can't uh, ask God to do. Did you realize there are some prayers that are vain? And, um, and he said, um, you've got to know what, what, what to ask for and what not to ask for. Amen. I'm going to get into it. It's going to make sense. It's going to connect to what I'm talking about. Um, but, you know, we can't ask for revenge. You know what I mean? Um, we can't hold um, people in little torture chambers in our mind. Where in our mind we're slapping them and, and bruising them and torturing them and pulling their fingernails out. But you're not doing it in real. You're just doing it in that, that private, you know, torture chamber in your heart. Um, you know, and you're saying all kinds of stuff to them, which you could never say publicly because you're a pastor and you'll lose your job if you did. You know, but, but you're saying it privately in that torture chamber, you know. Uh-uh. Secret place. Don't say secret place. And so how we, pr- how we pray, how we pray for people. So not every prayer, I'm telling you, that not every prayer God hears. Amen. There are prayers that, that God cannot answer. Number one, God can't answer what He's already done. So people are asking God to do stuff that He has already done. And it is des, de, de, detestable. That's the word. It's detestable. Secondly, there are prayers that God cannot do that He needs you to do. That He's told you to do. So people are praying, oh God, increase my faith. And God's like, you, you can't pray for that. You can't pray for an increase of faith. That's a detestable prayer because it's anti the word so what you can pray is for you know for a stirring of the spirit of revelation that you have in your heart to to hear and catch and lay hold of the faith that's in the word that you're hearing but you've got to give yourself to the word to hear the word in order for that faith to to come and and stir something in your heart amen you know, when, when the disciples asked, you know, Jesus, you know, about forgiveness and how many times we should forgive somebody who does us wrong in any given day. And, you know, Peter thought he was, you know, given a great answer. He said, well, you know, seven times we should forgive him. And, and Jesus said, well, no, so seven times 70. That's 490 times. And they said, oh, we increase our faith. And he said, increase it. Why? Why are you asking us to increase your faith? You know, if you had faith the, the size of a mustard seed. In other words, come on, you, you've, you've, you've got faith. You've been around me long enough. Just use the faith. What are you, why are you asking for more faith? It, just the little faith that you have can deal with this thing. You understand what I'm saying? So there's prayers that God cannot, that are vain, that God cannot answer because he, he, he does it. He has done it. There's other prayers that he can't answer because he's told you to do. And it says in Proverbs 24, 28, 28, very, very important scripture. Proverbs 28 verse 9, it says, One who turns away his ear from hearing the word, even his prayers is an abomination. Think about that. One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, the word, Even his prayers is an abomination. One translation says, his prayers are detestable. There is such a thing as a detestable prayer. Well, what is detestable detestable prayer? Turning 
away your ear from hearing the word and trying to pray stuff that doesn't come in agreement with the word. That is detestable. Amen. Are you, are you too close to the fire? You're all right. We're all right. You know what Jesus said in John 15? He talks about, you know, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask in prayer whatever you will, whatever you desire, and it shall be done to you. John 15, verse 5. So, you know, not praying anything that crosses your fuzzy mind, you shall have, but praying in line with the will of God. So praying for people, Lord, get them, show them, humble them. It's unscriptural. It's, let me take it, uh, let me say, say it even stronger. It's detestable. Because God loves wicked people. And there's only, there's one way to pray for people who've done you wrong. And there's only certain actions that you should engage in for those who've done you wrong. And there's many actions that you should not engage in for those who, who, who've done you wrong. Wow. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. John 14 verse 7 says, if, you, if you've known me, if, if you have known me, you would have, you, you have known my Father also. And from now on, you know Him and have seen Him. Notice this. You if you have known me, Jesus is speaking, you have, you have known my Father also, and from now on you know him, and you have seen him. Is this what Jesus is saying? And then Philip asks in verse 8, show us the Father. Jesus just got done saying, you have seen him. And then Peter go, uh, Philip goes, show us the Father. What can Jesus do without, prayer, without request? When Jesus just told Philip, you've seen him. Now notice Jesus' response in verse 9. Have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say, show us the Father? So there's, now how does this apply? Well, um, you know, there's a lot of people saying, show us your, 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 your glory. Show us. And I understand there is a manifestation of God's glory in greater dimensions and levels. And we're hungering and thirsting for that. But Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show you the Father when I, I've just told you you see him? When you see him. Do you know a big responsibility of every Christian? Because that, 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 those type of prayers are detestable. Am I getting my message across clearly here to, today? Are you, are you hearing me? We don't want to engage in detestable praise. Is everyone all right? Amen. All right. One of the greatest responsibilities you have as a, as a believer is to see what God has already given you. Let me say it again. One of the greatest responsibilities you have as a believer is to see what God has already given you. Amen. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You know me, you know me, you know him. You've you've seen him. Our responsibility is to see what God has already given us and shown us. Hallelujah.
Thank you, Father. Jesus said, John 14, 7, If you've known me, if you've known me, you have known my Father also. Now, John later on in his first epistle, John chapter 1, verses 4 to 8, he says, um, chapter 4, verse 8, excuse me. He said, He who does not love does not know God. For God is what? God is love. God is love. Now, back in Matthew 6, 14, am I helping or hurting? If I'm hurting your feelings, it's all right. It's just feelings. <laughs> it's just feelings. That's all it is. Thank God we're not fe- a feeling. Thank God we're not a body. Thank God we're not a mind. Thank God we are spirit beings. Amen. Hallelujah. And I need this. Amen. Who needs this message this morning? I, I need this message. I'm going to put up every limb I have, you know. I need this message this morning. I, I can grow up. Can someone else grow up? Who's been really irritated, not irritated by others? Who's been irritate, irritable recently? All right. You need to grow up. You little baby, grow up. Grow up, you immature person. Come on. I'm doing it. I'm slapping you with love, aren't I, this morning? Can you, can you feel the love? Can you feel the love this morning? <laughs> so here, back, back in Matthew 6, 14, and we're going to focus on this. It says, for, for if you love others, sorry, if you forgive others for their transgressions, your heavenly, f- this is some of the most astonishing doctrine in the New Testament. If you forgive others for their trespasses, their sins, your heavenly Father will will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your your transgressions. Astonishing. It's astonishing. So, you know, we all know this about sin. Everyone in this room, you understand this. If you intentionally violate God's law, His will, His plan, and stay on that path of sin, it, you know, it's going to have uh, consequences. You, you invite trouble. You, 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 and, and, you know, there is consequences for, for, for those dealings. Um, you know, if I, there's a proverb, Proverb 13.21, 13.21 from the New Living Translation. It says, trouble chases sinners. Trouble chases sinners. But for the righteous, blessings follow the righteous. Trouble chases sinners. So has anyone ever been in trouble before? You know, and trouble caught up with you because, because of the consequences of your sin. So what do we have? We have grace. Someone say, thank you, Father, for grace. He fixes the consequences for our, our sin. He protects us. What about mercy? Mercy washes away, it washes away the shame and protects us from the judgment. That's God's mercy towards you and me. Amen. Have you received that? Grace, who's received much grace and much mercy? All right. You, you want that still available to you? You still want that grace available? You still want that mercy available to you? Hey, all right. Well then, be gracious to other people and be merciful to other people because how can the Father be merciful to you, Jesus said, when you're not merciful to other people? How can you experience grace, forgiveness, 
when you're, you're not forgiving other people. This is massive. Massive. Mark 11, 20, 24. Hold with me for a few more minutes. Mark eleven twenty four. it says, Therefore I say to you, all things which, for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and you will be, it will, will be granted you. That's amazing. What an amazing answer to prayer. But then notice verse 25. Whenever you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone. What does this apply for? It applies for anything and it works for anyone and it's for everyone. He said, he said if, any, if you have anything against anyone, man, so, so that your father who is in heaven, will also forgive you your trespasses. Verse 26. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father who is in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Wow. Can you stomach a little bit more? Matthew 5, 38. It says, you have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. What does that mean? If they hurt me, I'm hurting them. But even worse. They hit me. Whoo. I'm going to compose myself, bring myself back together, and I'm just going to give them an uppercut. Is that what it says? If they yell at me, I'm yelling at them. If they disrespect me, I'm disrespecting them. If they dishonor me, guess what I'm doing? I'm dishonoring them. If they're impatient with me, I'm going to be impatient with them. He said, this is what it means. You've heard the saying, basically, when they do wrong, You do wrong. But I say, verse 39, do not not resist an evil person. But whoever slaps you on your right cheek, turn the other to him also. If anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, let him have the coat also. Whoever forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Verse 44, I say to you, Love your enemies. Love them. Pray for those who persecute you. So that you may be, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. Verse 46. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? I'm telling you, there is a great reward that you cannot get any other way other than loving people called enemies. Who are actually enemies, ungodly to earth. They're against you. There is a reward, a great reward. You you can't get any other way other than loving people who don't love you. He said, he said, if you just love those who love you, what's your, what reward do you have? I mean, that's easy to do. Do 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 not even the tax collectors do the same? Man, Jesus, Jesus is talking here. Someone judges me. I will not judge them. Someone talks bad about me, I'm not going to talk bad about them. Someone wounds me, I'm not going to wound them. What am I going to do? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to pray for them instead. That's what I'm going to do. Is that what you're going to do? What, what, what are we going to pray? Father, break their car, break their fridge, break their hip. Just, just break it all up for them. No, 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 no. Oh, where did that come from? That came from my soul. Sorry. Um, let me find what's in my spirit of prayer. 
Hold a bit. Let me, let me just put another log on the fire. Praise the Lord. It's getting, it's getting cool in here. Amen. Come on, somebody. What am I going to do? I'm going to pray reconciliation. I put this down in my notes. If, you do, if your heart does not want reconciliation, there is unforgiveness there in your heart. If you do not want reconciliation, there is unforgiveness in, in your heart. You will never be more like the Lord when you're forgiving those who have hurt you. And you'll never be more like the devil when you are accusing people who've hurt you. Because the devil's the accuser of the brethren. Luke 6, 35. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. Someone say great reward. Someone say great reward. Come on, we've got loads of time. It's 1126. It's all right. Everyone say chill. Man, who, who likes the new sofas in our living room? It's quite nice, eh? You like our Christmas decorations? You know, we thought we'd put the Christmas tree in the corner of the living room. Oh, at the back there. Who likes the Christmas tree? It's a little bit wonky. What's up? We did not use... What's happened? Did someone like run into the Christmas tree or the Christmas party or something? Did someone try and climb the Christmas tree? Everyone's going to see the wonky tree now. All across... Everyone was seeing it was straight, but now you can see it's slightly crooked. And oh man, it's all good. Notice First Peter chapter three eight. To sum it up, he said, "To sum it up, all of all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, and humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult." For insult. He said, do not do this. Don't do it. Don't do it. But giving a blessing instead. Blessing who? Blessing those who hurt you. Notice what he said. For you were called for this very purpose. That you might inherit a blessing. In other words, is there a blessing for you? To inherit. You can't inherit it unless you don't do what we just read. Amen. There's, a, it, there's an inherited blessing. There's a reward. Notice verse 10. For the ones who desire life. Who desires life? To love and see good days. Who want to see good days? Now this is part of the inherited blessing. That is dependent upon how you treat people. It says, Must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. If you don't, you, you won't inherit it. You won't walk in it. There is a reason why people don't walk in the blessing. Verse 11. He must turn away from evil and do good. To who? Those who aren't doing good to them. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are towards the righteous. And his ears attend to their prayers. These are the ones who get their prayers answered. But the face of the Lord is against those who, who do evil. You know, as you know, I, I minister in the eastern part of uh, India, northeast India, and of course in the Middle East, you know, the Crusaders. And 
you know, who in, sadly in the name of the Lord, you know, they were passionate about getting the gospel out, but, you know, in the name of the Lord, they slaughtered people and killed people. And what's very interesting is they, 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 would, um, they would get baptized in their full arm, armory, but they would have their sword. And how many know baptism is full immersion? And so, but they would have their sword in their hand. They would lift it up straight and be baptized like this. And so their, their sword would be out of the water. In other words, and then they would get up and say, okay, I'm dying to myself, but I'm not dying to the right for revenge. Uh, I'm dying to, to all the other, but not, not the ability to defend myself and to kill and get vengeance. And when people get hurt, that's the te- tendency of the flesh, retaliation. They hurt me, I've got to hurt them because men seek justice. That's unjust. That's not right. They hurt me. Let me get them back. Let me teach them a lesson. Not your job. Not your job. Holy Spirit's job. Matthew 18, 21. Lord, how often shall my brother, my brother, and often it's those closest to you, my brother, sin against me, and I, and I forgive him. Seven times, said Peter. Jesus said, I tell you, not seven times, but seven, seventy times seven 490 times wow now what are the chances of somebody doing you wrong 490 times in one day it's very slim but it's it's very slim oh you don't know my wife I'm telling you (laughs) see how I said that not over that section you know I don't know she's amazing but how often do you think about, um, and you know, you can, how can you forgive somebody who does wrong 490 times? Well, the point really the Lord is saying is, it's not so much, you know, but let me challenge you on this. How often do you think about what they've done? They may have done it once, but how many times have you thought about what they did? Is it five times a day, 10 times a day, 50 times a day? You know, give it 10 days. You're over 450, 490. Unforgiveness. There was a guy later on in this chapter who had a debt of millions. And his master forgives him of his millions. And then he, the guy who's just had his millions forgiven, he has somebody who owes him thousands, the Bible says. And he, you know, and he's, he grabs him by the throat. He grabs him by the throat. And he demands a payment, treats him terribly. And so the one who set him free from the millions he owed comes back and says, how are you handling this guy like that when, when I've handled you the way I've handled you? See, we were in debt of millions. Come on, somebody. You and I were in debt of millions. And Jesus said, I forgive you. He didn't grab us by the throat, did he? No. And then, but yet we're grabbing people by the throat. How dare you? I'm telling you. Oh, Jesus, thank you for all the forgiveness. <laughs> and the Lord says that Jesus is teaching the kingdom principles here. He says, if you can't forgive this person who's owed, owed you just a fraction of what I've set you free from, then I'm telling you, you're going to prison, man. How can I liberate you if you cannot? Now, we prayed this morning, and this came so strong in my spirit when. Esther was leading prayer. But it's, it's him working through us. You know the love that Jesus loved? Whoo, loved with? 
is so powerful. It's the same love we have. I said it's the same love we have. You can love like Jesus. You can. You can love like Him. You can put all your feelings aside and you can, and you can love like Him. Verse 33, Matthew eighteen thirty-three. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? When you see, I'll try and wrap up here. When you see, see people in the scripture who God used, you also see people who walked in forgiveness, radical forgiveness. It was Abraham forgiving Lot for choosing the best land. But he just let him have it, gave him the advantage. David not killing Saul when he had an opportunity. David, man, what a man. What about Joseph? Joseph hugging and kissing his brothers who betrayed him, sold him into slavery. Jesus forgiving the enemies, saying, Father, not only do I forgive them, but forgive them, Lord, because every seed demands a harvest. And he said, they've sown seeds that will produce a harvest in their life. Father, cause a crop failure for them. I forgive them, but let what's due them not be due them. That's being merciful. The Lord's been speaking to me about favor. Favor. And I preached a message up in in Harrogate a few weeks back. And pray for me because I'm preaching up there later on this evening. They have an evening service as well. So I'm going to be preaching in Faith Life Harrogate. But favor. If you want to walk in favor and grow in favor. I don't know you can grow in favor. Who believes you can grow in favor? Is it, is it Luke 2? 42, where Jesus, he grew in, in grace, he grew in wisdom, in stature, and he also grew in the favor towards God and man. So who, who believes you can grow in favor? Hmm. Who believes it? Come on, let's have a better response. Who believes you can grow? Who believes favor can come on your life and open doors that you can't open? Grant you opportunities before people that, that you couldn't manufacture. We need the favor of the Lord. Well, Jesus grew, grew in favor. Same favor that was on him is on a believer. But how do you grow? Do you want to know how you grow in favor? Do you know how David grew in favor and Moses, uh, Joshua grew in favor? Do you want to know how to grow in favor? You got to operate in the same spirit that those who had favor on them operated in. Jesus grew in favor because he, he was radical. He had radical favor because he had radical forgiveness and you can't radically forgive unless there's radical pain and hurt so the hurt that people have inflicted on your your life it it requires radical 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 forgiveness and it begins with you even forgiving yourself because you've inflicted self pain and it you want the favor to increase you operate in the dna of jesus you want to increase like David, increase in, in favor, operate in the DNA that David walked in, that, that Joseph walked in. What is it? Forgiveness. You'll see all of them walked in forgiveness. 
There was a man, he was a, well, quite well-to-do individual, but he had, he had favor with, um, he was yeah, a politician and the Lord brought him. He had he, favor of God on his life. He was brought before great people, but he was raised in a, in a household where he had a, a father who drank a lot. And, uh, you know, his father drank a lot. And, you know, this guy was explaining how you have, you have uh, good drunks. No such thing as a good drunk, but this is how he described it. A good drunk or a mean drunk. You know what I mean? If someone gets drunk, then, you know, they get happy and, you know, they, they just hug everybody and they're generous. You know, that's a good drunk. No such thing as a good drunk. You understand what I'm saying? But then there's a mean drunk and he said, my dad was that, a mean drunk. And so when he would get, every Friday he would drink and, and uh, he hated people. He, he just generally, but he especially hated Jewish people. And he, the irony of that is his, the, the woman he married was Jewish. And so every Friday he would drink and he would come home and he was just, this guy was just a little boy. And um, he would come home on a Friday night and he would beat his wife. He said he could not remember a time when, he's, when he didn't see his mom, the little boy, didn't see his mom wearing uh, sunglasses because she was trying to cover up the, the bruises and the black eyes. And so one particular Friday, his mom's getting beat and he sat there in the corner in his room and he's just so mad and he just shouts out, Stop! Stop! And then his dad comes in and grabs him by the throat and picks him up by the throat. Picks him up. And he's mad and shouts in his face and he's like losing consciousness and he, next thing, you know, he lost, his, lost consciousness and then he wakes up in a pool of his own vomit. And he starts crying and he says, Lord, God, if you're real, what? Like, why am I on the earth? Well, look at my life. If you're real, why are you letting this happen? Why, why would you put my mom in this situation? He looks himself in the mirror. He's trying to clean, clean up. And, and all he can see is the handprint on his throat of his father. The bruising, the outline of his own dad's hand on his throat. He, at the corner of his eye, he, he sees the door open. And so he hides because he thinks his dad's coming in to give him another being. He sees from the corner of his eye, there's a figure coming in. And he sees a hand come. And he's thinking, <sighs> he braces himself for, for another being. And it never came. The being never came. So he looked up and he saw the hand, a nail-pierced hand, and Jesus walked in his room. And he started speaking to him about his calling. How much his father, God, loves him. Jesus started talking to him about his call and how it's going to take favor. He had a come. He sat with the Lord. He said, "It's going to take favor on your life to do what you're called to do. But you can't have this favor unless you unless you forgive your father. And so he started weeping, and he learned to say, "I forgive my dad." I forgive my father. 
Eventually, his heart healed, and he genuinely did forgive his father. And he walked in favor. He walked in what Jesus told him was his purpose, because here's the thing. Favor without a purpose doesn't matter, because favor is not to get you a good parking bay at Trafford Center. Favor isn't to to get the coat that is in your size on sale, the very coat that you wanted. That's not favor. That's very shallow. Favor is, is to help you fulfill your call. To open doors that you cannot open that are attached to the direction that God has called you to move in. That's favor. But favor does not function if you carry unforgiveness. It can't. Because you operate in the wrong spirit. When David was getting the download of what the temple looks like, he said, okay, the vestibule, the inner chamber, outer chamber, do it this way, here's the blueprint, and make sure there's a place for my, my mercy. Build in my house a place for my mercy, for my mercy seat, which was over the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant. Well, do you know what? I hear the Spirit of God saying, make sure you build in your house, in your heart, a place for mercy. A place for mercy. The mercy seat was on top of the Ark of the Covenant. In the Ark of the Covenant, there was three things. There was the the Aaron's rod that budded supernaturally. There was uh, a jar of manna bread that 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 was preserved and didn't didn't decay. It stayed fresh. And then there was the Ten Commandments. Do you know? Do you want supernatural budding of things in your life? Supernatural things happening. You you got to you got to get your life under the mercy under the mercy of God and operate in mercy. You want that? You want the Ten Commandments, the Word of God, not just to be a letter that kills, but where it gives life, mercy. Mercy. You want things that should decay and rot, but doesn't because it, it's under mercy. You built in your house, you built in your heart a place for mercy. Do you know the mercy seat was the place where the blood was applied? You want the experience, you want to experience the effects of the blood of Jesus come under power. It's the power, wonder working power in the blood of Jesus. You want to have that? You want to have it? Come on, church, you want to have the power of the blood? Where there is no mercy, how can the blood be applied? The power and the effects of the blood. Who? Where, where can it be experienced? Where there's no mercy, that's where it's applied. On the mercy seat. Where is your mercy seat? Come on, fivefold minister. Come on, church of Jesus Christ. The pool of Bethesda. Five porches. House of mercy, that's what it's called. Every five-fold office. There's got to be an office, a porch of mercy. Pastors have got to be merciful to the sheep. Prophets, evangelists, apostles, teachers. Each and every one of us, merciful. Otherwise, how can we experience? How can we experience God's power without mercy? Without grace? The Lord said, put the fire on speak to the people let's all chill out and talk let's talk forgiveness I'm telling you this can radically transform your life 
All right. It ain't a club. What is it? This, this church is not a club. It's not a, um, a place where we just pretend to have community. It's time that we have community. And it's time that we hold each other accountable. And not, I'm not saying, right, let's, let's set um, confession police in the church and let's you know, watch out for making sure that everyone's behaving right and saying the right thing and not, no, no, but, but we hold each other accountable. Brother, is that all right? Sister, is that all right? Where we, where, where we don't allow irritations, schisms, divisions, envies. So, hey, that's not, it's too costly. I said, it's too costly. I want the power of the blood of Jesus. I want the mercy of God. Anyone else? Whew. You can do it. You can't. But the love in your heart can you can't, but the love in your heart can. How can you forgive them? How can you forgive them for what they've, they've done? You can't with human love. But you and I are not talking about human love this morning. We're talking about a love that is out of this world. That is being shed abroad in your heart by Holy Ghost. And here's the deal. You don't know the full picture. I said, you don't know the full picture. Sometimes the reason why somebody's acting the way you do. Be merciful. Be patient. Be patient. You know, Dunkin' Donuts is everywhere nowadays. Dunkin' Donuts seems like it's everywhere. It was once upon a time an American brand, and now it's like you find it in India and all kinds of places. I was reminded of this story and uh, this guy he he was waiting for his flight his flight wasn't coming yet so he went and got a bag of donuts and he was trying to look for a place and it was really busy and so he couldn't find a seat and he wanted to sit down and eat his donuts he had a cup, cup of coffee as well he found this this one seat but it had it was a small little table and it had a guy who sat on the opposite side and so he thought you know I'm just gonna I'm gonna sit there and so kind of like position is this alright and you know you know how it is they kind of shared the little table he put, he put his coffee on the table put his bags down put his coat off and then uh, stretched a little bit and then he just put his hand in the donut bag and started eating a donut and he's enjoying his Dunkin Donut and then the guy on the opposite side of the table he reaches over puts his hand in the bag and grabs a donut with a big smile on his face and starts eating. And the guy thought, say what? You just, you're eating one of my donuts and you never even asked. And so he did this, you know, like body posture where he moved his body to say, do not dare touch my donuts. Thank you very much. And, uh, and the guy was, you know, he, he finished, the guy on the opposite side of the table finished the donut. And, uh, and then he, the guy, because, you know, the individual I'm talking about, you know, moved the bag closer to himself, further away from the guy. The guy got up and leaned over the table, reached and grabbed another one <laughs> with a big smile on his face and started eating the second donut. Once he was done, he was like, he licked his fingers with a big smile. And this guy thought, man, how rude. The audacity. How rude. What a, what a fool. What an idiot. And then the guy got up and walked 
walked, walked off and, you know, the guy under his breath, you know, told, you know, told himself where the guy's going to spend eternity. In the torture chamber in his heart, you know, said a few other stuff that I, I can't say on the mic, so I'll tell you later. And then uh, it was time for him to leave, so he goes, gets his, back, his, his coat on, grabs his bag, and he realizes there's a bag of donuts on top of his bag. And he thought, oh my gosh, that's my bag of donuts. So the bag of donuts that were on the table was his donuts. That he had picked up the same bag of donuts that he... And he realized the guy, the idiot, the rude guy was actually sharing his donuts with him with a big smile on his face. So as I don't... Some people can relate. This has happened to you. Some people are like laughing because this is so close to home. Can you see? We can jump to conclusions quickly. The message today is don't do that. Don't do that. Love people. You've got one job. Love people. Yeah, but their actions, none of your business. None of your business, what they say. Now, in the context of church, because we are one family, we will correct it. We, we will beat it out of you. No, we won't. We'll love it out of you. Amen. <laughs> you know us. We'll, we'll, but we will, we will hold each other account. Some of you need to ask the Holy Spirit as we stand up. As we stand up. Let's all stand up on our feet. And um, some, of, some of us need to ask the Holy Spirit today. In fact, all of us need to ask the Holy Spirit this very simple thing. Lord, what do you want me to do with this message? I'm going to say it again. Everyone under the sound of my voice has to ask this question to yourself. Well, not to yourself, to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, what do you need me to do with this message? Who have I not been seeking reconciliation where therefore there is unforgiveness in my heart? Who do I need to forgive and let go of? So just pray right now. Lift up your hands. Father, we ask for your help. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the grace to do this. Thank you for the love to do this. We pray and we receive in the name of Jesus grace upon our ability. Your ability upon ours to do what we must do. Let people free. Liberate people. Forgive people. We can do it because of your love. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We're going to worship a little bit for a few minutes. Then Abby's going to come up and help us with receiving the offering this morning and close the service. But let's just worship one more time. Let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Thank you, Lord.